Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an incredible episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. And I am so elated, pumped, and stoked. I can't even begin to describe how excited I am to have none other than Canadian hockey legend, Theo Fleury. Theo, thank you so much for being on the show. You know what? I, my, our whole household grew up cheering you on. Awesome. It's it's just awesome to have you here and awesome to be speaking with you today. And yeah, thank you. No, my pleasure. Um, So where are you from in Canada? Well, you know, not too far from where you probably grew up. I am originally from Dauphin, Manitoba. Come on. I am. And actually, (laughs) smaller than that yet, I've technically lived four years in Sifton before we moved to Dauphin. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. where do you live now? And I now live in Marina del Rey, California. Oh, perfect. Wow. Yeah. So did Great. a little loop-de-loo around North America a little bit and yeah. ended up right here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We used to uh we used to go to a really uh great restaurant in Marina del Rey called the Black Whale. Oh. Yeah, it was a really awesome seafood place. Yeah. We used to go there. I don't know if it's still around, but it was wow. one, of my, one of my favorites when I uh, was traveling around North America playing that stupid game. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 no, I don't know if it's around. It doesn't sound familiar, but I mean, right now with lockdowns and COVID, you know, we will be lucky to see any restaurant surviving out of this, I'm sure. And, you know, today I want to, you know, there's so many topics that, we could have pulled from and talked about, you know, what's going on worldwide. And I want to try to cover a little bit of all of them with our conversation today. So we'll just let it kind of flow. But I know for a lot of my audience, I've got audience in Mexico, I've got audience in South Africa, I've got listeners in Sweden. So they may not be too familiar with your story as it's ingrained. And I think it's ingrained in a lot of Canadians, obviously, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you started out um, kind of getting discovered. And your career, you know, you spanned from what, 1988 all the way up until 2006 and ended up like, oh, what, like 166 out of the, out of the whole of the whole NHL for all the players, something like that, like crazy stats. Yeah, yeah. So you started, you, you did, <laughs> you, and you were, one of the, you know, against all odds, you know, they said you're, you're too small to the little guy. And I think yeah. what was really great about that, watching someone, you know, go against the odds, you were like a bullet on, you know, watching you on TV, you were like a bullet, like you were just so fast on mm-hmm. the ice. Um, and then to, you know, your, your whole journey. And then after, after your, your successful NHL career um you you go out and you start you know your books and courses and um clothing line and you just went (laughs) yeah so let's tell us about that (laughs) yeah um well i would say probably one of the biggest things that i faced was you know other people's opinion of me right you know uh, I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody said I was too small. Right. Yeah. And, but the thing was, is, you know, when I look in the mirror, I don't see somebody who's small. Right. Mm-hmm. I see somebody who's incredibly determined, incredibly talented. Um, uh, you know, I grew up on the prairies. All I know how to do is work. That's mm-hmm. all I know how to do. Right. Cause yeah. that's, that's what I watched. That's what I saw growing up as a kid. You know, I grew up in a farming community. I watched people get up at, you know, six o'clock in the morning, work till 10 o'clock at night. They all had nice houses. They drove nice cars. They went on vacations. 
you know, and they were happy, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so, and not only that, you know, I was incredibly gifted and talented, right. And, uh, and so, you know, this, this package, which is, you know, Theo Fleury, um, you know, always was able to figure out a way to overcome whatever adversity um, he faced. And because I experienced a lot of trauma uh, in the early part of my life, what happened was is it built a lot of resilience in me, right? And it was my resilience that always shows up in every challenge that I have. My resilience from, you know, my adversity always shows up, right? Yeah. And so no matter what I do in life, um, because I... I got the blueprint for success really early on in my life. And once you have the blueprint for success, you can put it into whatever it is you're doing to be, you know, successful. And it can transfer into, you know, a lot of different areas. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, obviously the, the trauma that you went through, um, for, for those that are unaware of your story, you know, you were um, sexually abused by your coach, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you watched, you also watched, you know, your, um, I read too, that, you know, you watched like with your, your dad drank, yeah. mom had her own demons um, that she struggled with as well. Yeah. And I think witnessing that from a child's point of view and like you said that the resilience from coming from that trauma and I've and I've I've gone through my own trauma in life as well and some of them you know parallel as well same same with the the sexual abuse and you know death or what have you um and you're absolutely right it builds a resilience especially at a at a young age um what I what I'm curious though to to know about you with um with everything that you've gone through like that do you ever look back um at, at your past and go holy shit <laughs> you know like do you do you think like did you ever did you ever have those moments where you, you were you were being guided but did you ever have those moments then where you were so you were still kind of maybe battling like could could you do it like should you just give up you know, am I, am I just, am I going to amount to anything? Do you, do you have, did you have those moments? Uh, I would say that all of those negative thoughts came into play after I left my sport because I was so focused on, you know, my job, my, you know, trying to be the best hockey player I could, you know, I, and, uh, uh, and I was masking all of the negative experiences as a child. I was already masking them with drugs and alcohol and food and sex and gambling and women and all that stuff, right. All those coping mechanisms. And, and then, uh, you know, I got kicked out of the NHL. Because I couldn't stop drinking, couldn't stop doing drugs, you know, all these things. And, you know, a year later, I have a gun in my mouth, right? And not because I wanted to die, but because I was completely exhausted from living in emotional pain and suffering. Tried everything out there to get rid of the pain. and, um, And I couldn't pull the trigger, right? So, which tells me that I want to live, but I have no fucking clue how to live life on life's terms. Right. And so, so that's, that's the healing journey, right. Trying to uh, manage, you know, my day-to-day life, right. Cause that's what sobriety is all about. It's one day at a time. Right. And trying to be as present as possible in the moment as much as I can. That's the goal, right? Because if, if you can live in that space, you know, peace, joy, happiness, and serenity, that's the goal, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. my whole entire life up until, you know, 15 years ago was about surviving, 
right? Mm-hmm. Just surviving. Yeah. And now, now it's completely different, right? And, you know, when I look back on my trauma experiences, you know, I would say at the beginning, I was, you know, like, why did this happen to me? I had all these questions, right? Mm-hmm. And then I wrote that book called Playing with Fire, mm-hmm. where I told the whole entire story from start to finish. And, <clears throat> you know, when I sat down to write the book, I was doing it for very selfish reasons. Like, take one last look at it, put it on paper, take one last look at it, put its rightful place in, which is the past. But what the process of writing the book did was help me step into my true purpose in life. And that was to help as many people as I possibly could who had the same experience as me, because those are the people that were approaching the book table when I was signing books and people were telling me their stories right? For the first time in their whole entire lives, I was the guy that was hearing their truth for the first time. And that has not stopped in 13 years since that book came out because I got run over after, um, you know, after I told my own story. Yeah. 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 And that's, and, and writing that was, did you, did you find like the, like a little bit like it was cathartic? Hugely cathartic. For you in that sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah because they say, what do they say? You're only as sick as your secrets. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I was carrying a secret around for 27 years and I was sick physically, spiritually, emotionally sick, yeah. sick, yeah. you know, and you know, the healing process is a three-step process. I got to heal my emotional being, my physical being, and my spiritual being, right? That's that's the healing journey. Yeah. And where, so, and spiritual, did you ever give any two cents to your, to your spiritual being before at all? Was it ever a glimmer in your... Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that, that you know, whatever you want to call it, God, Allah, Buddha, Jehovah, universe, whatever the hell you want to call it, was always constant in my life. Yeah. You know, uh, it's the times when I chose to be angry that I was not connected, right? And so I sought out other connections, you know, unhealthy connections. like, And that's where the addiction came in, right? And, and I, hate, I hate the word addiction. I hate it because it has so much shame, you know, attached to it. Yeah. And, you know... Uh, you know, how many times have you heard, like, well, why don't you just stop? Well, <laughs> I wish I could. You Brilliant know? <laughs> yeah. suggestion. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I've switched addictions to a three-word phrase. It's emotional pain management. That's what it is. That's what addiction is. It is a way to numb out from, you know, negative emotions. Yeah. Right? And, it, and it's a great... It's a great medicine for, you know, a short period of time, but eventually, like I said, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And then we're pushed, you know, to that ultimate decision and choice. Mm-hmm. Am I going to die or am I going to live? Right. Yeah. And, you know, the people who choose to live are now then pushed into, you know, the space of, healing self-discovery and and you know repairing or working on those three pieces you know that we need yeah and now I've seen as well like with your with your healing journey and that's also transferred into you offer not only not only courses but you're doing you're doing speaking uh your you know relational uh trauma you know expert you've positioned yourself and obviously you know I, I guess that all kind of magnetize like you're saying after the book it kind of went yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. it was like like I had no idea what the hell I was getting myself into yeah like, like I had no idea and you know I was almost like forced by the universe to you know step into you know my my purpose yeah. right yeah. and and because I had a lot of success in my life 
it was pretty easy for me to step into that, into that role, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it uh, and how do we heal by helping others? Yeah. So that's like, it's, it's that basic and that simple, mm-hmm. you know, the more people I've helped, the more I've healed, you know, myself. Yeah. It's that simple. And when you put yourself in a position of being of service to other people, you know, people just start showing up, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. you know, if I had to, you know, give myself a job description or a title, uh, you know, I, I, I collect people. That's what I do. I collect people. Collect that's people. What I, that's what I do. People collector. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you do, and I, and, I, and I read, you know, I read the comments on your on your Facebook and Twitter and stuff, and you know the, the people taking your courses and stuff like that. And you, you, the people collector, you're you're like Velcro. You know, people just they just yeah. stick stick onto you, and they they just connect with you. And like I said, that magnetism and stuff. And even you know, you and I connected on Twitter, and mm-hmm. like I said, it was again, you could just feel the gravitational pull of like of Theo Fleury going around <laughs> on there. And that was one of the things. Cause then I, you know, I, I, I had no, like I had known about you and known about the story and I didn't know like these, these finer like nuances and, and everything else like that. And then as I started to learn more about you, cause I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. I'm like, all right. I was like, you know, of course, obviously I'm like childhood, you know, hockey right. <laughs> star that we grew up watching. So I'm like, this is fucking rad. And then I started learning a little bit more and more and I went, holy shit. Um, Cause you know, with, with my life and this isn't, you're, you're not, you're not the first person and that, that I've told, but I've had, like I said, I've had my own um, sexual assault experience yeah. um, as a child. And then it had happened again, a second time. And it was one of those things where, you know, it's again, they, it all closes out. Your body goes, okay, we're going to forget about this. You know, your mind, block it off. Yeah. I go, oh, and it just, it's just gone. And then one day something happens. You go, holy shit. Where did this fucking come from? Yeah. And, you know, it was, and again, and it was kind of one of those things where I had to find my own ways to deal with it. Um, and, you know, obviously just destructive or whatever else, all those, yeah. all those fun uh, mm-hmm. habits that come along with that and trying to cope. And then the feeling of numbness too, because you, especially as a, for me as a woman, you know, my yeah. sexuality and feeling sexual and stuff like that didn't feel natural anymore. It felt yeah. gross. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And um, I get that. Yeah. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it robs you from that. And then all of a sudden, you know, one day it, again, it pops up and it goes, Holy shit. And you still haven't dealt with that. And so I went, <laughs> I went a different route. I went with plant medicine yeah. and, and stuff. Um, you know, I'm a huge plant medicine advocate and I've, I've used it in my journey in, in different ways, but it's just like, and you, you hear these stories and again, and you hear someone like yourself um, that has gone through it, has conquered it and has now become this beacon of, of light and hope for other people. And like I said, I just, you know, my, 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 my hat's off to you and, and everything like that, that you've, you've stepped into this role the way that you have um, to help people. Cause you know, like I, like I said, I, I managed to do my own healing on my own, but thank goodness for people like you that have been able to help people in such an extraordinary way. Um, and, and your course now too, um, <laughs> that, I, that I keep bringing up. Cause I, I think it's absolutely fantastic that uh especially now in the 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 world that we're in and everybody else's trauma that's coming um from this and people that have been then locked away in their homes with maybe abusive partners or dealing i said this is a this is a time of trauma and grief for everybody as well everyone's grief trauma in this where i i feel like they should just be flocking um, to your resources. Cause I looked, you know, when I was looking at your website and everything like that, like you've really given every inch of yourself to, yeah. 
to your to your to your to your community to your people yeah in that Mm. sense so you know talk and again talking about covid and and lockdowns and stuff have you seen the uptick like have you experienced the uptick yourself with people coming to you huge yeah i i basically for the last probably five months have dealt with more suicidal people than you know, the whole 13 years I've been working in this space. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's because there's, you know, uh, there's no hope, right. There's no hope. And, you know, they say, if you think about the past, that's depression. And if you think about the future, that's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so COVID it's the most traumatic event that's happened since World War II. And so all of us have trauma. So they've just added another layer of trauma. Okay. <clears throat> and the messaging is fear, 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 fear. Right. So, uh, and when people lose hope, that's when they take their own lives. Right. And so um, we've had more opioid overdoses and deaths and suicides and we've actually had COVID deaths and nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about, nobody's talking about. And, and uh, to me, that is the real pandemic is mental health and suicide. And none of the leaders are talking about uh, any of this stuff. You know, they're just pumping, pumping fear nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, you know, and, and, you know, for a guy like me who, um, you know, I, I'm not going along with the narrative, you know, um, because I'm smart, bright, brilliant, you know, uh, I can see, and I also know what trauma and abuse looks like, Mm -hmm. know what it tastes like, know what it feels like, you know, all that stuff. So this is, this is abuse. Yeah. At the highest levels of abuse, this is it. And what's the worst addiction? The addiction to power, mm-hmm. right? It's the worst addiction to have. The worst addiction to have. <clears throat> and, you know, <clears throat> this ideology that they're selling to us has been tried 24 times in the history of our planet, and it's failed. 24 times. And the unfortunate piece is, you know, when this ideology is brought to the table, death is the byproduct of this kind of ideology, right? There's a hundred million people that have died because of this type of uh, ideology. And so unfortunately um, uh, what happens is because uh, we have, you know, the elites that are addicted to power, uh, eventually they eat themselves. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately it takes about 20 years for them to eat themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, we're already seeing, um, you know, some of that happening because the Democrats have turned on their, uh, Messiah, Mr. Como in New York and now are, you know, eating him. Right. And so we're seeing it happening. So hopefully, hopefully this happens quicker than 20 years or, you know, the masses wake up to the fact that, you know, this is what's uh, truly happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, we can eventually get back to, um, you know, the, you know, the way that the way that it was, you know, and, and you know, it's what I just laugh is that, you know, for 125 years in Canada, you know, 26, 27 years in Canada, you know, we've, we've lived under, you know, relatively democratic, you know, society. And now all of a sudden we're, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a pivot to the hard left, you know, and yeah, and, uh, you know, yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. I had, I had, um, you know, friends always joke and stuff like, that. Oh, you're going to move back to Canada. Shit goes south down there. And, no, no. <laughs> no, I think I'll be staying here. I don't know if I trust how things are going to go down in Canada. I might take a 
might take a minute, <laughs> you know, like I don't really plan on hiding out in Dauphin, but, <laughs> but well, the unfortunate fact is, you know, there's no accountability, right. Mm. And, and, you know, when you, you know, when you take God out of the equation, which is what they're trying to do, what ensues chaos, violence, yeah. you know, all this craziness. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's, and again talking with like rolling it back to like the suicides and stuff that nobody nobody or nobody's talking about the amount the amount of suicides um, far outnumbers the COVID deaths uh, and it's it's one of those horrible truths right and where where are they shining the spotlight and because it is you know when no one cared about the tuberculosis deaths no one's you know clutching their pearls over the uh, obesity deaths or the smoking deaths or. Right everything else and is just getting swept under the rug. And I, but I, to me, it just all feels part of, part of the plan. It's, it's just, it's just casualties. And then when they look at, they say, you look at the, 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 the risk benefit of their decisions and they say, well, risk benefit to who? Yeah. <laughs> risk benefit to who? Cause I don't really see the benefit to the human race as we know, because you are severing ties with our natural innate connections with each other, with, yeah. with Gaia, with spirit. And I think this is one of the things too. I was, I was raised in a household. Um, my parents believed like, Oh, they, they believed my dad was into, you know, my dad's into like UFOs and space stuff. And I was like, well, yeah. they know me, whatever. But my, they always said, you, know, you don't need to go to into church to, to do this. And they yeah. were churchy in that sense. I had an aunt that like tried taking me to church. My mom screamed and was like, you're not taking her. And I always had a different perspective of, of spirituality in my household. My parents, you know, I read paganism books. I had a, my altar, I had a boss that gave me a um, satanic Bible to read. I read that Buddhism, yeah. but, like everything, right. I read it all and stuff. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people, especially that might've gone through a religious dogma or what have you, and maybe, got you know had their you know got, got disgruntled in that and found out you know it was a lie went went hard atheist and i think there is this um misunderstanding and stigma as to our spirituality that people are still going well ugh, that's they relate it to religion because they've had such a bad taste in their mouth about a religion mm-hmm. that they don't understand what the actual with true connection with source and connecting with that like i said that innate power that's in all of us and they say you know go to me you know it's go within you know the kingdom of god is within you well you know that's that's you know i think with a lot of people with with meditation you know have that same disconnect Mm -hmm. well ultimately what is spirituality spirituality is a relationship Mm -hmm. that's what it is and relationship with self which you know not a lot of people are practicing, you know, uh, having a relationship with themselves, right? Because they have trauma, yeah. right? And trauma removes the the self, you know, relationship, removes the self-discovery because all you're trying to do is basically survive, mm-hmm. right? You're not, you're not looking at the bigger picture, right? You know, and, uh, and yeah, so um, you know there there is a uh, concerted effort to remove that piece, you know, out of the equation, right? Self isolation. There's no God in that. Uh, vaccines. There's no, you know, God in that. There, you know what I mean? Like it's it's, you know, and ultimately, what is church about? Church is about community. It's not about the Eucharist. It's not about the rituals. You know, every Sunday that when you walk into the church, you're going to see a group of people that you love, respect, care for, happy to see them. You know, that's ultimately what it is. And, you know, in Canada, you know, the arena, the arenas are churches. They're churches. And we've had none of that. They have completely taken the arena which is the church mm-hmm. of community yeah right now we're seeing a spike in you know adolescent mental health we're seeing 
you know, in eight, seven, eight, nine-year-old kids who are, who have depression and anxiety and panic disorder and all this stuff. And like, there is no, no conversation around it. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, it's sad. Like, it's really sad. Uh, You know, when you think about like what's going on, you know, there's no humanity. There's no, like, there's no, you know, there's no charity. Like the stuff that, that sort of, you know, brings us together, connects us, makes us feel good, you know, is just, it's gone. Yeah. I mean, it's a, our, like our heart centers, you know, our, our yeah. energy, our, 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 our vortex, our, it's, it's six feet, our, our hugs, you know, release, um, you know, feel good hormones, right? Oxy- oxytocin. Oxytocin, right? Yeah. It releases all that. And I just learned the very powerful thing of actually hugging heart to heart. Yeah. Like that was, that was incredible. And I encouraged, um, you know, I made a post and I said, start hugging everybody heart to heart to to get back to me, how you feel. And all this connection is gone and, you know, the faces and stuff. And I I feel horrible for the kids, you know, for, like I said, their brains from one to seven are in theta. They're trying to pick up everything around them and figure everything out. Same thing. Like when a dog looks at you, like, the wrong way it's because its eyes can't fully see your face of the expression so that's yeah. why it gives you that look it's mm-hmm. like every like our face is so integral for that connection and it's just all out the door you know yeah. and I just our our youth I, I feel like our youth there's going to be healing needed for generations to come yeah. uh so you know well you know but we're we're moving in that direction because we're a lot more aware of the holistic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, healing sources out there, you know, yeah. um, you know, in the last six or seven months, I've had more psychedelic companies call me mm. to represent their products than at any time, you know, on the planet. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, uh, like I'm pumped and, incredibly hopeful that these uh, amazing plant-based medicines become mainstream oh. because that's going to heal, you know, the epidemic of mental illness, right? Because big pharma, big pharma owns every disease. Okay. And they're the most powerful entity on the planet. And, you know, uh, you know, I hang around with one of the most powerful medicine men in the world. Mm. And, you know, what he tells me is that, you know, every cure to every disease is out there yeah, right? in its natural state, natural form. Right. And so what big pharma has done is they've made everything in this into a synthetic version. Okay. And when I put synthetic stuff in my body, my body goes, what the fuck is this shit? Mm-hmm. It doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what does it do? It settles in the liver as sludge in the liver and the kidneys and the intestines. Right. And we can't naturally remove the synthetic version of whatever it is, you know, we're taking. And so that's why we've seen cancer, obesity, you know, all these things is because our food is also, you know, uh, been messed around with. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, um, you know, that's a whole other separate war. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> that's, you know, that's going on. Right. And yeah. then you have fucking donkey, uh, Bill Gates out there who's, you know, telling me I need to eat synthetic meat and he's buying up farmland and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, and I'm the crazy one. Like yeah. I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's wild. It's a, I, it's a crazy, crazy existence right now. And yeah. so, you know, if you, <laughs> it's hard to be, to stay present, Yeah, you know, yeah. it's hard to live in, in, you know, that space. Yeah. Do you, do you meditate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not very well, but I try. Hey, well, I mean, 
Yeah. Trying is, <laughs> is half the battle. Right? Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, that's that's been something that's you know helped me and that was big for me too with my with my mind and for years, you know, I identified with my, my monkey mind, my anxiety, and I watched my mom deal with, you know, anxiety and just identified with it. I thought it was my greatest tool. And it wasn't until I started meditating that finally I went, okay, <laughs> this is yeah. and same thing too. Like I hated it. Like I tried five minutes and like, oh, you know, but now we're doing, you know, up to an hour and it's been a complete change. Um, well, I just know from my professional career that my mind was my greatest tool. Mm-hmm. Right, because uh, you know when I when I broke into the NHL, you know I'm five foot six hundred and fifty pounds, and at that time the average height was six feet, the average weight was two hundred pounds. So you know, uh, from a pure physics perspective, I'm not supposed to have success, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yep. And you know, it was my mind that was stronger than every other guy I was competing against on the ice, mm-hmm. right? Because I competed at the highest level of competing, yeah. you know, like I was willing to die in order to win. And I quickly figured out that 90% of the guys that I was playing against, that wasn't their attitude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And because of that, I could take them anywhere on the ice and do whatever I wanted to because there was never going to be any pushback. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how I got room to then, you know, my ability and my talent was able to shine because I had room. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> If I had all these big guys just swallowing me up and, you know, knew that they could intimidate me, you know, I, I, I would have had a great career in Europe. I would have played 20 years over in Europe on the big ice surface and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but instead I had a 15 year career with, you know, tremendous amount of success um, because of, you know, my mind. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's becoming like the master of your mind and yeah. having that control over it. You, you are, you are the master of like, it's like, like taming a horse, like a wild horse that just yeah. to take off and kind of go one way and you, you're able to bring it in. And, you know, I, I haven't been horse riding, so I don't really know all the terms, but it's like, it's like taming a wild horse with, mm-hmm. with your mind. And because you have, because, because they're so in tuned, horses are so in tuned that if you're, and they, they can pick up on your energy, right? You know, I, I do a lot of equine therapy. Oh, nice. With horses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're amazing therapists. Mm, yeah. they tap into pieces of you that you don't even know exist right yeah yeah Lo- loved horses growing up i didn't didn't have the farm in dauphin but i had a girlfriend who had a farm and i got to yeah. ride a couple of her horses every now and then it was always yeah. a beautiful experience and even when i get to get the chance to go horseback riding whether it's in mexico or yeah. so, someone we you know it's let me look can i can i touch your horse can i can i ride your horse but yeah, I know they're incredible, incredible creatures. Animals. Wow, yeah. unbelievable yeah. animals. Yeah, you know, and I, and I, I had a, I had a thought here, and I just want to back it up and see, and just kind of bounce it off you and see what you think too, because you obviously from small town and back then, but talking back with uh, spirituality and again that disconnection and that kind of trajectory that we've been on. Did you do you remember? I happen to remember in Dauphin uh, when stores used to be closed on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the uproar that there was about opening up on Sunday? I remember there being an uproar. Mm-hmm. And, and I was thinking about that the other day of just, again, another taking us away from a day of, of self and community and family. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you I'd see that as well? Yeah, that's an interesting observation for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, so many people from Monday to Friday are, you know, ultimately after material things, right? So we work to, you know, 
have a nice house, car, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards that we forget about, you know, the community piece, right. You know, being, being connected. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, adding another shopping day on a Sunday is, you know, when people get, you know, get their shit done, right. Is on the weekends, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, maybe that's a great idea to, you know, shut everything down for, you know, one day because you got to recharge your batteries. You got to, you know, take care of self, you know, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that I preach about all the time is, is self-care, mm-hmm. right? Not a lot, not enough people do self-care, you know, and because we live in a very highly traumatic world, right? And we're being traumatized, you know, minute by minute. And if you don't uh, acknowledge it and, uh, you know, some way, somehow let it go by meditating, by prayer, by, uh, you know, participating in community, something or other, you know, that trauma is going to, going to, you know, attach itself inside of your body. And then once it starts to build up, right, then we end up with PTSD and OCD and all these, you know, these these labels that are attached to us. Right. So, um, that, that's really important to take the time and it's, and it's not a huge commitment. Like it's what, 20 minutes a day is going to significantly change, uh, you know, yourself. Yeah. Your chemistry, like like your chemistry is going to change. Yeah, absolutely. And do you find like, I guess, obviously I feel like more like males, um, are, not are not doing the self-care that they need because i guess they're, they're thinking like pedicures and stuff when they think of self-care <laughs> they're like i don't want to do that yeah 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 i see more guys needing to needing to actually go and, and do that whether it's you know getting out into nature yeah. uh, meditation or just a book yeah. or something right um, i agree i agree yeah there's not well because it's that you know, we, we grew up in the suck it up era, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, now we're seeing the effects of, you know, sucking it up for the majority of our life, right? You know, like I said, it builds up and then, you know, it creates all this crap inside of us, right? And we're, if we're not releasing it and getting rid of it, you know, yeah. eventually, eventually it kicks our ass. Yeah. No, it definitely does. And it starts mm-hmm. breaking apart. Um, well, with men, you know, uh, it's about vulnerability, right? There's not enough about vulnerability, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the one th- – I would say that's my secret sauce is I'm vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like, I can talk about anything, and I'm not afraid to. I'm not – you know, I don't have any reservations, nothing. I just tell the truth, right? Yeah. You know, because the thing about lying is – you know, once you tell a lie, the lie has to last the rest of your life. But eventually you get caught because you can't keep it all straight you yeah. know, in your head. And so it's just better to to tell the truth right away. And, and then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have. The, don't, know, have the, don't have these uh, fake storylines to try yeah. to remember yeah. how it all, how it all went down. Yeah. You and know? then you don't have any deathbed confessions. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can just yeah. lie, lie peacefully and yeah. everything. But, you know, before, before we go, uh, you know, our time, our time here is almost done and I don't want to uh, keep you any longer here, but I would love for you to, um, what would you say to someone right now? Um, Cause I know I've been, you know, having my interactions with people and stuff who are yeah. struggling right now but what would you tell someone right now um if they are struggling and if they're in a dark hole and they feel like there is no hope what is your message to them <clears throat> um geez that's it's a very loaded question but you know what i always say and what my experience what my research over the last 13 years, if you have trauma, if you have mental health, if you have addiction issues, you're in the majority, you know, you're not in the minority. And, you know, 
honesty, openness, and willingness is going to get you out of wherever you're at at that moment, right? And if you're afraid, there are lots of people who are willing to listen to your story. There are lots of people willing to listen to your story. And the thing about your story, and I, you know, I have this awesome saying, you know, your story or my story is your story and your story is my story. That's what I've learned, right? Is that trauma is the commonality in all of our, you know, threads, Mm -hmm. our storylines is that trauma is a piece of it. And that trauma takes us on a different path, a different direction until the pain becomes too great And then we have to have, you know, step into this spiritual awakening, which is telling our stories. Mm -hmm. And the thing about telling stories is I get to tell my story whichever way I want, because it's my story. It's not your story. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're judging me, you have you have no courage. Right. People who judge have no courage. None. Yeah. But. You know, from a compassionate lens, what's happened is you've triggered one of their secrets. You know, one of the things that they've buried inside of themselves and said, you know what, the 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 lockbox is on, the key's lost, you know, this is never going to surface. Well, if you're in relationship with people, eventually somebody in, you know, your sphere of influence is going to be vulnerable and they're going to tell their story and it's going to, you know, affect, affect you, which then, you know, um, you, you have two choices, right? You can put it back in the box and lock it up. You can lash out, you can judge, you can point the finger or you can deal with it. Right. You know, and, uh, unfortunately right now, uh, there's no safe space, you know, there's no safe space. That's, That's the one thing that we have done a really poor job is creating safe, vulnerable environments for people to talk about their trauma. Right. And, you know, the reason why I've had so much success post hockey career is because I'm vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Right. And my vulnerability creates safety. And then when you have safety, that's when the magic of healing happens is when people feel safe. And so, you know, I've, everything that I've done uh, post-career has been about creating safe spaces for people to talk about their trauma, right? And then once you talk about your trauma, I'm never leaving. We're in this, you know, we're in this for the, for the long haul, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to get you to where you want to go, but you get to decide that, right? Yeah. I'll help you. I'm not going to fix you. I'm not going to do the work for you, but I'm going to be that support for you, you know, along your journey. And that's all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Very eloquently said. And part of the big reason why, obviously, um, you are someone that is obviously unfuckwithable at. <laughs> You know, this is this is the this is the unfuckwithable being unfuckwithable in life. You know that uh, you can because I'm not scared anymore. Yeah. Like, what could you possibly do to me that hasn't already been done? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've survived all of it. Yeah. And I will survive this. Yeah. Right. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I feel feel the same way too, especially you know when you're speaking your truth and especially speaking your truth online and people come at you and it's like, that's all you got. <laughs> you know, it's like, really? You know, right. Okay. Well, anyway, next, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I well, love that. I love that they have a block button because, yeah. you know, what I've learned is you cannot argue with a liberal. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, Oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's an exhausting event, and you probably uh, have more joy banging your head up against the wall. Well, and you, <laughs> you you can't fix stupid. 
No, it's right? uh, it's it's a sad, it's a very sad case, and you know it makes me want to shake a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wake up, make, makes me especially well the people that still believe that, especially the people that still believe that Bill Gates is a wonderful philanthropist, are the people that I think I want to shake the hardest. But <laughs> that's a whole other podcast, Theo. I'm, I'm gonna listen to some guy, some autistic dude who you know thinks he's uh, you know God. Yeah, well, again, like I said, power is a dangerous and very um, powerful addiction as well as the worst yeah. addiction. And I think the worst. That's, the that's, worst. that's the what worst. we're seeing with a. We're seeing it played out in real time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Theo, thank you. Yeah. So much for, for coming on the show and talking. I feel like we could probably yap for a while here, especially finding out that you're, you know, an a fan of plant medicine and, and psychedelics and, yeah. and everything. So I, I wish you well on that journey. And when you get aligned with somebody, I'll be on yeah. the, on the lookout for that. Yeah. I think I'm going to go do some DMT stuff uh, in the near future here. So I'm excited about it. So very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I've got, I've got contacts for uh, ayahuasca um, shamans in Canada as well. Oh, cool. Um, okay. If you, ever, if you ever want any of those. Yeah, We'll stay, we'll stay in touch and, and, uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you again, Theo, so much. My pleasure. And have a wonderful rest of your day. You too, as well. It was great Take talking care. to you. Awesome hey. talking to you. Take care. Hey. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you doing? I just wanted to pop in one last time here before you go and say thank you so much for tuning in to a very special episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I do hope you enjoyed this powerful episode with Theo, and I do hope you share it as well if you found it powerful too. And of course, I want to say thank you for all of the positive comments and feedback. And of course, if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to shoot a DM or leave a comment on one of the posts on the Becoming Unfuckwithable Instagram page. And of course, a big, big, big thank you to our show sponsors, 416 Tactical Supply in Toronto, Ontario, Freak Fitness Online Contest Prep in Toronto, Ontario, and Rock Solo Nutrition in California. Thank you so much, and thank you for tuning in, and I hope you become a little more unfuckwithable. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast.